I have all of the Jackson 5 Christmas songs on my holiday Spotify playlist? Yes. And I feel, part of me feels bad about it, but also part of me knows that the Jackson 5 Christmas songs are amazing and I would be denying myself something wonderful by not having them on my holiday playlist. Yeah, you would be doing a disservice to yourself. Exactly. Did it, you know... Is it is it is it ethical to support them when I know what an asshole his father was? I don't know. I don't know. That's not for me to decide. It's just for me to drink uh, hot toddies and dance around my living room and go, oh, 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 hoo, ah, hoo, up on the house top, click, 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 down through the chimney with old St. Nick. Like, why would I deny myself that in this year of all years? Exactly. Like, you you truly can only limit your responsibility and not in listening to it. I can't. If I could go back in time and change it, I would. I would. I think we still can. This is our Christmas special, Renee. We're coming to get you. For, <laughs> yes. for our Patreon listeners, if you can, if you commit to five dollars <laughs> a month, we will travel back in time and we will show you the video mockumentary documentary we make where we save the Jackson Five and we save Michael Jackson. <laughs> Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Read This Way, a podcast. Read this way. Read this way. I'm your host. Jace Wingate, and this is your other host. Hello, this is me, Renee Pogue. Like the band. Like the band. And this is the podcast where we read the books with the pictures in them, and then we talk about them, and we digress in the conversation, and we just see what happens. And also, like the holiday season, we are the ghosts of Christmas future, except we're going to be talking a lot, but we're still looming over you, like your bleak existence and how this holiday truly means nothing anymore. If I could right now, if I had the ability to, I would stage some sort of Christmas story thing for, I guess, what is it? Christmas Carol? Christmas Carol thing for fucking Jeff Bezos. Can I be the ghost of Christmas present that points at the the dumpster under under a guillotine where he's going to end up if he doesn't start paying his workers? Wait, that's Future, right? Future's the one who points to the guillotine. Yes. Absolutely. I think that's only... Can, can I be... I want... Okay, so I want to be the ghost of Christmas past, but I want it to be in the stylings of the movie that Matthew McConaughey did where it was like the ghost of girlfriends past. And I want to be literally yeah. an eighties brace face. Who's like, Oh my gosh. Hi Jeff. It's me. <laughs> I'm just picturing the goosebumps meme girl. But like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would be good, Jeff, if you sold books, but like only books. And nothing but books. And you know what's also here? I know it's your 14th birthday. I'm going to give you my personal copy of the Communist Manifesto. And I just want you to read it, absorb it, and fight for the proletariat in your life. Can you do that for me, Jeff? You're, for me, your first girlfriend, your one true love. Your one true love. You know, Jeff, your hand's already in the pants of government. That's more than I ever had. Close I've gotten was that time I got to high five John Lewis at uh, a political march. 
Blessed be John Lewis. I didn't even get close to his pants. No, just his hand. Ooh, happy holiday season to especially Jace, but also you listeners too, I yes, guess. Yes, I guess, you know, I just totally shat on the holiday season for the intro. But that was that was mainly <laughs> for laughs. But I like really do hope that if you're listening to this right now, that you feel loved even if you are far apart from your loved ones or even if you are FaceTiming or if you are estranged from your family and you are celebrating with found family or if your found family is away and you find yourself alone and you find yourself listening to this podcast, I truly do hope that you listen to the words that I'm about to say, which is you are loved and this is not going to be forever how we celebrate this holiday season. And I hope you can take a breath and be present in this moment and know that this too shall pass. You are loved. These feelings will pass. And that you are able in some way to surround yourself with comfort and love this holiday season. Oh, that's wonderful. That is a wonderful, sincere sentiment. Thank you. It's all I had in me. I love that. Now I'm, oh my God, now I'm only <laughs> going to be false. <laughs> now we're now we're just a bitter husk. Bitter husk. Now I'm back to Ghost of Christmas Future. <laughs> I will say not to jump ahead because we don't have to start talking about it yet. But this the story we're covering in this episode turned me into an empty husk. Oh, I genuinely had no idea what it was about. I just was looking at the covers and I was like, oh, this has Santa in it. This must be about Christmas. I <laughs> I was now. truly like I was reading it and I'm like I don't think Renee knows what this is about and also I have to, I have to preface <laughs> this too I read this probably like four or five days ago and what happens mm -hmm. with me Renee as you'll learn and as the listeners will learn too the farther out that I read something and I have like things happening during the week mm -hmm. I will forget more and more about what I read. So it's going to be a lot of me catching up and then having these epiphanies about what I read. <laughs> while you, while we're kind of like talking about it, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, that hey, did happen. You're discovering it for the first time again. It's like I'm the window into the narrative for the listener into our podcast. You're like half listener, half host. I'm like a hybrid breed. You're a chimera. I'm a chimera. I like until I until I go above 30 miles per hour, I'm healthy for the environment and I'm running off of electricity. I can't wait. Run me off electricity. God. Just I want to be able to stick some batteries in. Beam me up, Scotty. Just go ahead and put me, take my consciousness and put it into the hard drive. Surprise listeners, I actually do feel. And when I do, <laughs> I feel deeply. <laughs> and when I feel, I regret it. Yes. And when I feel, I ask myself, why? So just to let the listeners know, I just had a I just had a memory. While reading this, I don't think I fully followed the plot. Do you care if I go ahead and just dive in, Renee? Oh, please dive okay. in. And also, I will let you know, I had to read this three times before I figured out everything that was going on. So do not feel bad. Okay, so on this episode of Read This Way, we are covering Happy, which may sound familiar to you because it is a recent series on the Sci-Fi Network. It's got the dude cop from SVU in it. Chris Christopher Maloney? Yes, and he looks, he looks rough. Okay, yeah, well, the character in this comic book, 
He's uh he's real he really is uh going through it. Yeah, he's textbook rough. Yeah. Speaking speaking of anti-heroes, yes. we were talking about last time. He is he heavy on the anti, low on the hero. God. We do pop in like literally in media res. It's like so they're talking about the main character who we don't know it's the main character yet, but it's kind of that very Shakespearean like here are two characters who truly kind of don't matter, and they're going to give us a little bit of exposition. Classic ploy, seen it time and time again in a good script. And they pass by this really kind of like fucked up looking Santa, the only kind that you see in like the city. The only thing we know about the main character at this time is he is a cunt. Yeah, that's truly the only. It says Nick Sachs is a cunt. <laughs> And it also says Nick Sachs is a professional cast iron cunt. If <laughs> I'm sorry, listener, if you're listening to this on Christmas Eve or Christmas, <laughs> if you thought this was going to be a nice, fun, fuzzy Christmas story, it is not. So much swearing in this. Just when you think there couldn't be more, you can you can be wrong. Yes. There can be more. Is this man wearing a beetle costume? Yes. And I did not figure that out until I was reading reviews of this comic. I was very confused because when I first saw it, I was just like, oh, okay, this is Grant Morrison. He is kind of a weird dude. If you don't know who Grant Morrison is, you know who Grant Morrison is. You just don't realize you do. He's written for Heavy Metal. He's written for Marvel. He has done Spawn. He's written for X-Men. He's written for Judge Dredd. Pick most comics, and he's written stories for it. He's very known for Doom Patrol. I think he wrote Hellblazer for a while. Grant Morrison, he's very prolific, and he's a very weird dude, especially the stuff. Oh, The Invisibles. That's what I was trying to think of. He's most known for The Invisibles, which, honestly, we should cover at some point on here because it's really good and i've been meaning to finish it but i was just like oh there's just weird bug people in this story well that's okay i guess i mean not okay but <laughs> i assumed they were just, <laughs> were just bug shrug. people in the universe shrug all right i did not realize it till i was reading a review and it was like people in bug costumes and i was like oh i feel like they could have made that more apparent but Honestly, like after the bug dude, I was just like, well. Did it explain why he's in the bug costume? Not at all. Just that he's a serial killer who kills prostitutes. And he wears this like crazy fucking beetle costume. Weird. I don't know. Obviously, this is by Christmas, but I don't. It almost has a weird Halloween vibe because he's in the bug costume and she's in like the angel costume. Which, I mean, maybe that's just like a prostitute thing. I don't know. I've never ordered one. But <laughs> maybe that's a thing. You can order an angel prostitute. Oh, I definitely, I'm sure there's there's angel lingerie out there. Like that feels like, that feels like on the top tier list of like white male fantasy, it's wanting to fuck an angel. Oh, yeah. You, there's this very strange scene that's just out of nowhere. And you're like, well, that was weird. And then you turn the page and you're like... Oh, oh, it gets worse. Okay. It gets weirder. Yeah. You have another instance where you have our protagonist who is like three steps of ahead of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who are 
also just trying to do their job. So this is where I start. This is where I got lost in the plot. It was very early. So he was, he kills the, he kills the guy in the beetle suit and he was supposed to get a password. Not from the guy in the beetle suit though. From the people that were tied up. Not from the people who were tied up. Basically, here's what happens. He was hired to kill the two guys who are wrapped in lights and then the guy with the beanie on. Those three are the Fratelli brothers. The fourth one is also their brother, but he's not involved in their criminal enterprise until now. So he is hired to kill them. So he tricks them by hiring them to kill him, and which effectively leads them to his house where he can attack and kill them. It's actually quite genius. Then you have the funny scene where the, I mean, I guess it's not, it's not funny, but it's, it's funny in that macabre way where the two living Fratelli brothers come upon the other two who are wrapped in lights and it says, answer the fucking phone. He calls at the right time. Nick is really fucking with them and is, and is, Basically just like, behold, a heavenly messenger come with glad tidings this Christmas. Hala fucking Luya. And then tells them, you know, that they're, they're right where he wants them to be. And then we have the very funny scene of the angel prostitute holding up the paper that says behind, behind you. you. Spelled in the worst way possible. Then the one guy that he's supposed to kill, he kills. And he's like, oh, there's only supposed to be three of you. And there's the last brother who is younger than the rest of them and he freaks out because this is the first job he's ever gone on the conversation we have at the very beginning where he's talking about how he hasn't been involved in the past and now this is his first job and he wants to do more to get into the family business so nick is taunting him Tip from an old pro to a promising newcomer, when in doubt, aim for the head. Yes. This younger guy shoots him, him in the arm. Or the heart? No, he shoots him in the arm. So Mikey Fratelli, the little baby, he's about to die. Yeah. And he tells Nick. There's a password. He tells Nick. Yeah. He's like, I'll pay you not to shoot me. There's a ton of money that my grandfather left when he passed away. Me and my brothers are the only ones who know the password. Since they're dead, I'm the only one alive who knows the password. And uh, Nick kills him anyway without hearing the password from him. I think that's very important. He has no idea. He just kills him because Nick is a damaged piece of shit. I would just like to say that even towards the end, he's not a very redeemable character. No. He's he's a very tortured piece of shit. Emphasis on anti, not necessarily hero. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss what finally gets him to become a hero. So Nick, after leaving, he succumbs to gunshot wound and uh, ends up collapsing in the snow. And then we see a woman who we find out is his ex-police partner. Slash lover. And apparently her name is pronounced Meredith, but that's like not how it's spelled at all. But it's spelled, wait. Yeah. It's spelled like Mareed. I don't understand it, but I know in the TV series... She's called Mary, M-E-R-R-Y. And I've seen things that call her Meredith. So I'm very confused by it. I'm just going to call her Mary. If it's not pronounced Meredith, I don't know how to pronounce that. Listeners, if you know how, if I'm incorrect and you know how to pronounce this, M-A-I-R-E-A-D-H. I mean, I could see it being like Meredith, but not Meredith. 
if if you were yeah. to like the D and H sound together, it creates the D. Like there's a yeah. There's like a short I that's not written there. It's so listeners help so, us. Listeners help us. Help us <laughs> Pretty please. please help us this Christmas. So we meet Mary. I'm just gonna call her Mary. If you're upset, that can be your Christmas gift to me, listeners, not being mean to me. So this is where you find we find out about the main antagonist, who is a continually faceless man. Well, I guess not faceless. You never see his full face, though. His name is Mr. Blue. Mr. Blue. Mr. Blue. We're not pleased to be with you. Yeah, so he is a real prick. And we see this immediately because... He is basically, he's threatening her by saying he's going to send some people to rape her, her mother. So right from the bat, we're like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. But this is how we find out that they think Nick Sachs has the password, which really sucks for him because while he does, he is stabilized and he is alive. He is in a mob hospital. But more importantly, wait, pause. How did they know that there was a password? Because the Fratelli brothers are somehow also connected to Mr. Blue. Mikey Fratelli wasn't supposed to be there. So Mikey Fratelli wasn't supposed to be there. So he's not supposed to be dead because Mr. Blue wants that password because he wants the money that that Grandpappy Fratelli had set aside for them. Okay. Because apparently the Fratellis are connected to Mr. Blue somehow, but Mr. Blue also is the person, I feel like we find out later, who contracts Nick to kill them. So it's a very... Yeah, it's a long game. Like, this is a very long game of chess. Yes. And Mr. Smoothie is fucking terrifying. Yes. But what's not terrifying is the namesake of the comic book, who we meet. The titular character. What really makes (laughs) this comic book almost a delight to read is, you know, just like the juxtaposition between this, like, very cheery cartoon character and ultra-violence of smashing things into people's faces. And that's Happy. I love Happy the Horse. It, It was my second time reading it that I noticed he first appears when Nick is in the ambulance. Like you see him sitting on a power line. Yeah, you have the feather fall. And then... And then he's on his chest. So Nick is in bad shape. Happy is trying to help him. He, of course, thinks that he is hallucinating. And I think this scene with Mary is interesting because it, it just really shows us what his character is like mean and bitter and a little bit hateful and hates everybody she's trying to talk to him and he's like go the fuck away do me a favor go the fuck away and she's like all right well i guess you're gonna die then well and of course i I think this is a great capture of their like complicated history and I love, and we'll come to it later, but I think seeing what hardens him and seeing how he operates interrelationship skill-wise with his, like, I, for lack of a better term, co-workers, you're right. He's truly just, like, the biggest, like, dump piece of shit. 
Yeah. She's like trying to tell him, tell me this. It is very important. And he's like, here it is. Go fuck yourself. Okay, but you're going to die. And he's like, oh, I'm going to die. Go fuck yourself. She's like, I don't think you realize, Nick, you're in a mob (laughs) hospital. Like, if you give me the information I need, they'll treat you right. But like, if you don't stop acting like a a petulant (laughs) two-year-old, bad things are going to happen. Yes. And then we, you know, we find out more about Happy, who I love. I love Happy too. Happy does make me a little bit nervous because it is such a like stark juxtaposition to Nick. Yes. It's wonderful that he immediately, like, as soon as he's like, oh, good, you can see me. All right, well, let's go save Haley. And he's like, wait, hold on. What the fuck? And he's like, no, 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 no. That's the thing. Um, I'm going to help you and we're going to go save Haley. And it's very, <laughs> I completely, lo- I'm still just, uh. Just trying to tell Nick, like, you were in big trouble, and I'm going to help you, and then you are going to help me. Happy's already learned the mob system. Happy's yeah. Happy, like, without saying it, has learned the actions of, like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Mm-hmm. If you want to get out of here, you have to listen to the fucking talking horse, because I'm going yeah. to help you. Well, so I have a question about this. Do you think, for sake of pronunciation, I'm going to call her Mary? Mary can't i think the most that she and i think it it does show that she cares about him mm-hmm. when she's like whispering in his ear you're in a you need they're gonna fucking come in here and torture you to get that password so make this easy save yourself like that's her loving him she didn't put him in that mob hospital mr yeah. smoothie and mr blue did yes okay and she's trying to help him but also she is and we don't know the well, we do kind of get an idea, but we don't know to the full extent of how limited she is. But she is limited in some respects to what she can do to help him because, like other members of the police force in this shitty city, she is kind of at the whim of this Mr. Blue character because he knows where her mother the lives. Debt yeah. And the debt she is. Yep. Or this this quote unquote debt that she is. So she I'm sure she would have loved to help more, and she does in a little bit, but she very much has her hands tied in how much she can do as far as helping him stay alive. It's, we get our first juxtaposition of the little cartoon horse and Nick busting a man's teeth out with- Yes. <laughs> with yes. thing. Yeah. Oh, and what does he say? He he says he's going to start. Um, oh, my God. Where is it? My diagnosis suggests he'll respond strongly to having salami slices cut from his penis. Oh, my God. That I cringed. I cringed. Yeah. Listeners, this isn't your business, but I I, I don't have uh, a penis, but I felt pain when the, in that scene. I was like, oh, God, like a salami? Yeah. You. So yeah, he deserved to have his face busted in. Yeah, those that dental implant that those implants that he has are far gone. <laughs> I love happy when Nick's beating them up and he's like, give him hell. Queensberry rules, big guy. Yes. <laughs> and I love look, Happy's literally this wingman. He's like, there's one on your left. Look out. Fucks them up. On Yes. Uh, on anesthesia. Yeah, because he's half drugged. And then chugs the fucking coffee pot. Yes. I was like, oh, God, that's so hot. But, you know, whatever whatever keeps him awake. <laughs> and then Happy, like, 
You're really a remarkable guy, Nick. Can I call you Nick? It's written in the stars. We're going to be pals. It's written in the stars. It's written written in in the the stars. stars. We're going to be pals. (laughs) So he chugs the coffee, which, I mean, is a little bit of a turn on for me. I'm like, that's hot. (laughs) And then he wanders into the snow. Uh, Mary's there. And she's like, all they want is the password and you can go free. And they exchange words again. And she still loves him because she lets him go. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? Get him back. And she's like, sorry, boys. He just got right past me. He just got right past me. And then Nick, oh, Nick is this. This is the first where you're like, oh, maybe he is a cunt. Because Happy's just like, all right, step one done. Got you out of the hospital. Happy like did him a solid. Like, Happy was a good Judy to him. Exactly. And he just tells him to fuck the fuck off. It's, it's just like Happy trying to help him. And you promised. And Nick's like, I promised I'd put my foot in your ass. Not really, but I, I can imagine him saying that. I love Happy being like 52 hours, Nick. <laughs> yes. Happy knows exactly when it's going to happen. He's like, we have we have a time period. And we need to hurry the fuck up. And also, Happy is a very involved partner. Because what does he do while Nick's being a piece of shit and and sleeping? He goes around and gathers information. Yeah. Smart. Smart little strong, blue horse. Strong detective skills and Happy. Like, very private eye. Very kind of, like, plucky. He's on top of his shit. Happy's happy's not like, I'm not going to wait for you to wake up. I might be optimistic and happy, but I'm not stupid. Exactly. I have a mission, okay? And you do whatever you want. I'm going to make sure we save Haley. And Nick, oh, piece of shit, Nick. His first thing is like, oh, I know. Let's let's embezzle some money. I guess not embezzle. Let's steal some money from these guys I know. From the palest person I have seen in my entire life. I know, like vampiric white. Yes. That's some Robert Smith. He's it's like if Robert Smith and Crocodile Dundee had a a criminal baby. That's exactly what it's like. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> also, why does he is he truly just like I need money? I think it's less that he wants money. I think it's more that he is like, if if you are real, I'm going to use you as an excuse to steal some money. And I, I love that everyone everyone who knows him knows that he's just a massive piece of shit. Oh, you're still alive. I figured you would have drowned in a pile of your own puke by now. There's no disguising that he is. There's there's no character coming out of the woodwork to be like, but there is something redeemable about Nick. They're all like, oh, yeah, you're literally a worthless piece of shit. It's a miracle you're not dead because you're such a terrible person. Also, I assumed... When he put his wedding ring on the table, I was like, oh, I guess his wife is dead. No. Yeah, we find out later she's very much alive. There are other things we find out too. And I'm like, how do you not fucking remember that? Your wife left you, left you, like ghosted left you. Yes. You blocked it out or you just were like truly flatlined in your relationship. Oh, yeah. That's what happens when you don't put in any effort. Is uh, you lo- you lose your wife who who loved you dearly. Also, we find out Nick might be a little anti-Semitic. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. 
I'm trying to, at this point, I'm not sure he has any redeeming qualities except for the ability to kill people well. Exactly, because he just fucking murders these guys at the table. Oh, yeah. Through the poker scene, this he finds out that these people also basically know Mr. Blue. And when he tries to leave with their money, they're like, nope, don't fucking do it. So the next thing we know, they're all dead. And Nick stole their hat because, of, uh, of course, he fucking did. Of course. Well, he's like, ah, ah, yes, a disguise. (laughs) He'll never recognize me now. But then he immediately gets rid of the hat at, like, the train station bathroom. He's vain. He says, ah, I look shitty in this hat. I'm going to get rid of it now. Here's a a tip. How I got rid of my eczema on my face. I know everyone's skin routine is different. Mm -hmm. CeraVe foaming facial cleanser paired with, I use the Lush Breath of Fresh Air toner spray. And CeraVe PM Ultra Lightweight Lotion rocked my world, fixed my skin. But yeah, and then we we have Nick being a little bastard asshole again because Happy's like, I helped you again. Now can we go save Haley? And Nick's like, uh, no. Nope, haven't decided I want to do that yet. Happy is a time wizard who can quote any amount of time at any mm-hmm. moment, leading down to this like terrible moment. I thought it was funny how he was he's trying to like get Nick to pay attention and he's like if Haley dies she won't become a famous doctor she won't find the cure for eczema it'll be your fault and the brilliant Ooh. writing that takes place the great illustration the great paneling of just a single page turn we get where Haley is oh uh, the creepy santa from the beginning so gross you know his mouth is probably the gates of hell like oh, Hades, God, like yeah. Hades is inside of his mouth. Yes, Karen's waiting to take us across the river sticks in his mouth. <laughs> I was thinking of Karen. Like I want to talk <laughs> to the manager, Karen. Like Karen's waiting there to to speak to the manager. They're one and the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have we have the awful image of the perv Santa singing. The Toyland song. And then we go to the weird, weird dude. Weird no homo dude. This Weasley little fuck. Yeah. The only shit he remembers is he was talking about strangling a little kid. So now they think that Nick is also the dude that's been abducting a bunch of kids. And he's like, oh, is this Stetson some gay thing? Do I look gay? Your fucking glasses and your Weasley behavior make you look gay. Yeah, like you are are fragile masculinity. And yeah, like exactly. single person. Mm-hmm. And then we get Nick still being like a little bitch. Be, uh, we find Nick now on a train still being a little bitch. Yes, still being a little bitch and still refusing to help Happy and still being selfish and only thinking about himself. Happy's like trying to be a healthy communicator. He's like, Nick, talk to me. Mm-hmm. Nick refuses to communicate because he doesn't have healthy communication skills outside of blowing up. And he's also probably fucking shit face still oh absolutely he was chugging something yeah all out of a brown paper bag when they were doing the poker game and he also has just had his fucking heart procedure so he's like on some other plane of reality yeah and not a good one and happy's just like trying to reason with him at a base human level he's like i am just trying to get you to save some kids from a dude who is very bad like why won't you do that I think that's a fair assumption. Or I think that's a fair thing to ask. 
even if you're a piece of shit and you only care about yourself, surely you would care about saving kids. Well, and then like to double down on that is Mm -hmm. he, of course, pulls that motherfucking gun. This is where I get really fucking mad. What a what a fucking pity card move for him, right? Yes. This is a like I know it's cinematic and I know that this is what a shithole character like this, if he were to do this to himself, it of course would be under these circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think it's this is super complicated for me. I'm like, you're such a fucking coward. Like you're willing to kill in cold blood. But this is the moment where you pull a pity card and like threaten to take your own life. And I was very confused about it because then he just immediately jumps. He furthers the pity party. Oh, feel bad for me. My job was really traumatizing. Okay. But like all this shows is that your wife tried really hard to level with you and figure out what was going on with you. And instead of being an adult, you just pushed her away like a fucking asshole. This flashback, you're exactly right, Renee. This flashback shows nothing new. It's like, oh, so you like never developed communication skills. You're just a piece of shit who takes the easy way out every single time. If if the job is fucking with you that much, fucking move, bruh. Like fucking go well, somewhere. You cheated else. on your wife. Yes. And and we still are expected to pity him. Exactly. I'm like, no. You, Nick, you did fucking shitty things and you have to pay the price. And your your wife is, like, it's so obvious that she's trying to level with you on yeah. so many. She so wasn't many. like, she wasn't like, don't talk to me about your work. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me about what you do. She's, and in some weird way, I'm sure he's like, I just want to protect you. But if she's like, talk to me about it, I want to help you. You can't sit here and fear her fucking rejecting you if you don't even give her the chance to like even voice that because you're blocking it out. Like, because Mm -hmm. what's going to happen is she'll reject you because you're fucking cold and you don't talk to her about things. And then she's going to find out that you cheated on her with your work partner. Exactly. And it's clearly something that has happened multiple times. Exactly. They have so many photos of it. So, you know, you're you're honestly being a dick to your wife. You're not talking to her. When you are talking to her, you're telling her to leave you alone and not stay up and wait for you to get home. Like, you're kind of a bastard. Like, all this story proves is that you're a bastard. You're good at one thing. Congratulations. Sorry, Nick. We're not buying the flashback sob story. And I love how Happy calls him out for it. I do love that, that Happy's not just like, oh, you poor thing. He's like, that's it. You have an absurd lack of communication and you're a piece of shit. Congratulations. He's like, I'm sorry that those things happened to you, but Haley doesn't deserve what's happening to her. So why don't you get your shit together? Well, and like, what a great spin on Happy's part to be like, let's make this a story of redemption. Let's turn it. And then, of course, it's not what Nick wants to hear. So it's shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Well, and of course, like the entire train which I think this is kind of a stupid scene anyway. Where it's like all the people are bitching about the holiday and their plans. All the while, this agent is coming to the bathroom door to get Nick and mm-hmm. this poor woman. Oh, God, this poor woman. And I don't think she's traumatized. She's heavily traumatized. She goes, uh, uh, like me too, girl. That's all. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> 
Spare me the fucking Jiminy Cricket bullshit. What an asshole. And then he just, he's an asshole and he's bitter because of his own choices and he hates everyone and he hates everything. And so pulling himself out of his own bullshit, he decides to make happy sad too. Because if he can't be happy, he doesn't want anyone to be happy, especially happy. He can't be happy, so he takes another life. Yes! <laughs> he, ta- he takes Happy's joy. He's like, give me one good reason why I ought to care about any of these jabbering fuckwits. And of course, Happy goes out there and Nene goes out on a train where nobody nobody is in a good mood at the time. And the holiday season is stressful. But okay, Happy's like, okay, you win. Cool. Everybody sucks. Congratulations. Yeah. Happy is completely changed. Happy is very Eeyore-esque now. Mm-hmm. This is a different happy. But then Happy figures out why Nick is the only person who can see him. And that is when Nick suddenly gives a shit about what's happening because he figures out that Haley is his daughter. I was shook. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, same. I was like, and you you make such a great point, Renee. I'm like, I can't care about him even though like i care about Haley being safe but i don't care about nick being the one who saves her anymore exactly because it's and you know we get the hints of that because when his wife leaves him we see the positive pregnancy test that she throws in the trash and apparently his wife still kept his last name or i guess not because his last name is sax but he knows his wife's last name his ex-wife's last name So that's when Nick finally decides that he's going to do something because he figures out that that's his daughter. I don't know. I'm you can't see it. I'm just rolling my eyes so hard. I love it. I feel it too. I'm with you. Well, and again, it's it's like it should be that you want to save the children, not that it's just like not that it's just like oh, suddenly you realize like you have a daughter and you're saving your daughter. It's like you should want to save these kids. Yeah, it's annoying. It's like the men who are like, I didn't understand how important feminism was until I had a daughter. What about your wife? Exactly. Or your mother or any of the other people, any of the other women you've known in your whole stupid fucking life. Anyways, it it definitely gave me those vibes. So that's when he decides to man the fuck up. But at this point, Happy has kind of abandoned him because he, Happy figured out he was a piece of shit. Yeah, Happy's like, wow, what a pity that, like, out of all the people who can see me, it's you. Yeah, and Happy just leaves him, which, fair. And then we find out that Mr. Blue is also behind this weird, creepy Santa thing. And not only is he behind it, but this shit is going to be televised. Not televised, but recorded and broadcast live. Mr. Blue obviously knew that Haley was his daughter. Do you think so? Oh, 100%. So... We get like a short scene with Mary and there have been a few other ones of her. Basically, she's getting personally blamed for the fact that they haven't caught Nick yet. If something doesn't go Mr. Blue's way, he's going to hurt anyone who's directly connected. So Exactly. At this point, he's basically telling her that he's going to kill her mother and probably her. I, f- I feel for Mary at that point, but yeah, she, you know. She does do a little bit of good, but I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to spoil yeah. what happens to her because I think her story arc is I I think that she might be the true hero of the story, but we'll 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 get there. We'll get there. <laughs> and 
Uh, speaking of playing into stereotypes, we have Nick. I don't know why. I, I mean, I guess I kind of understand why he goes to the church. He goes to the bar because it's Detective 101. He's like, I'm going to get some information. I'm going to go to the hangout. Somebody's got to have some shit. Mm-hmm. And then and then just the rando. It's truly, you're right. It's so random and it's such a stereotype. And the guy's like, I talk to God. And so he goes to the fucking church. Is like, you're right. I need to find a sign. <laughs> oh, it was wait. pure luck. Wait, I don't know if mine's missing a page, but I do not have him going to the bar. Like what? Mine, oh my gosh. Mine, mine goes straight from Mary saying "Merry Christmas" as she hangs up with Mister Blue, and then the next page is Nick going to the church. Oh, you're missing pages because there's a scene where he goes to the bar and he gets a shot of whiskey and he's like, um, the bartender's like, they're all saying you're a wanted man, Nick. And he's like, that's so. And then he starts a bar fight and he's like, I got no time to fuck around. There's a pervert out there with my fucking kit. I don't get some information from one of you assholes. I'll kill every fucking man tries to get out of here. Then this huge guy approaches him. and He goes, you know what I do when I need help? He says, I talk to God. And then that's what leads into the church scene. Really? Okay. Well, that makes more sense. I wonder why. I feel like this is the original version that came out. So maybe, I don't know. That's weird. Mine might have extra pages. Well, that makes, maybe Grant realized he was like, oh, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So he added that extra step. uh, There has to be another step on the staircase for them to, for, for him to go to the church. But, you know, that's where we find out the priest priest is a pedophile. And uh, he finds out that it's being uh, live streamed on the internet. It's research. It's a website for perverts, I found. Yeah, because you are a pervert. You priest fuck. And he beats the shit out of the priest. I'm like, but that's the thing, too, is I'm like, why don't you kill the priest for being a pedophile? You kill other people. He does. Oh, he kills? No, he doesn't. He just punches him. Oh, no, he does shoot him. You're right. Yeah, he says, I forgive you, and then he shoots him. And then Happy goes, ouch. And that's where he reunites with Happy, because Happy's like, oh, you're ready? Oh, you're ready to not be an asshole? Nick goes, I never even bothered to ask you what the fuck you really are. And Happy goes, I'm Happy the Horse. It's simple. A little girl lost her daddy and made me to keep her company. You think I don't know it's a cruel, rotten world? 15 minutes to save these kids and I have to rely on you. <laughs> and ah, he's so good doing my best to brighten up the old graveyard while you whine and moan and state the obvious. Oh Thank yeah. You, happy. So good. What well, of and course then, typical, typical bullshit. Don't fucking lecture me. Shut up. Nick. Um, Everybody's tired Nick. I'm a fragile murderer who only knows anger. Yes, I I only know the only emotion I can express is anger. And the only way I can tell people how I feel is with a gun. <laughs> but it's not funny, but also. It is. I mean, it is. But then we also, we finally get to see how Nick's, Nick do some real detective work because he looks at the architecture of the shot of the kids yeah. and he looks at the lights and he figures out exactly where it is. Okay, so you do have skills besides just the ability to shoot people in the head. Congratulations. And I like when 
he's like, oh, I'm a fucking heart. And Happy's like, look on the bright side. Now you've got one. Thank you, Happy. I on your feet, you. Nick. <laughs> on your feet, Nick. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Happy, for carrying this story on your back. Speaking of carrying the story on their back, we have Mary, where she, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. She figures out that Mr. Smoothie left his cell phone with her with Mr. Blue's number. So now she can figure out how to find him. So fucking smart. Truly. Mary is like, Mary's the true MVP of the story. For real. I mean, obviously Nick casts smarts, but it's like Mary's doing the behind the scenes work. One, to protect his ass and two, to solve this case. Fucking druggy Santa. Oh, it's so creepy and his gross so, little yeah. So gross. Uh, finally, finally, we have the death of Mr. Smoothie. That torturous fuck. So Mr. Smoothie was the doctor who was going to torture him for the information. Yeah, he was going to cut his dick in pieces like salami. I see. I see. It's all making sense now. And then, yeah, he's like, you don't die. Not till I tell you. And Nick's like, I don't have time to say pithy things. I'm just going to say, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. And just shoots him in the face like three times. Yes. And down goes Mr. Smoothie. Fucking finally. But Nick is also kind of going down because his heart, it's not working too well. And especially after being stabbed in the stomach. He's not doing too well. Yeah, Nick needs a Christmas miracle. But what he gets instead is chief antagonist Mr. Fucking Blue burning him in the cheek. And basically just being like, I don't give a fuck what I make money off of as long as I'm making that money. Oh my god. I did I missed this the first time. The Fratel the Fratelli brothers are related to Mr. Blue. He's their uncle. Wait, where'd you he says, then you killed my innocent nephew, Michael, for what? For fucking sport? And he still thinks that Mikey gave him the password. Mr. Blue, I'm not fucking lying to you when I say he didn't give me the password. I'm not telling you a lie when I say that. You're truly crazy and you are capitalism incarnate. Yeah, he's the he's the worst. And then the grossest loogie I've ever seen. Mm. I believe that Nick probably does spit like corrosive acid. His body's falling apart, so probably. Yeah. I love the next scene where, like, the Santa's strangling him and Happy's like, I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten grades above a hallucination, which is, I'm pretty sure, five grades before. And then he says, I flew faster and further than I ever flew before. Because I don't remember when this happens, but there is a scene earlier in the book where Nick asks him about asks him if he knows any other imaginary friends. I think he says he's only met one. But he's like, if I ever fly further, I might meet more. So in this scene, he says, I flew faster and further than I ever flew before. And then he says, I brung back up and you turn the page and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, like, Oh, because we figure out in an earlier thing, which I skipped over because the Santa Claus is so fucking gross, but we figure out in an earlier scene that the Santa, the druggy Santa Claus, can see Happy. So Happy figures out that he can see yeah. the other imaginary friends. He like takes enough drugs that he enters the like state of mind where he can see them. And then we just have all of these 
just weird creatures from all over, just like superheroes. The weird looks like the Mood Man from McDonald's. Weird little Muppets and rabbits, just all sorts, of, all sorts of strange creatures. There's a wolf. There's an old man with a weird mustache. A flying pig. A zombie with glasses that says me see more. Oh, yeah. That one is weird. I love the film noir detective. That's someone's imaginary friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Somebody's imaginary friend is Humphrey Bogart. Yes. <laughs> I want to meet that kid. Poor child. So, of course, like suddenly fueled by weekend by the insanity of being mugged by imaginary friends, uh, Nick is fueled by the only thing that fuels him, which is pure unadulterated rage and vengeance. <laughs> and he. Fling, he flings him first into the Christmas tree, which lands on top of the children, which I'm like, you're Nick. Come on. <laughs> uh, the Santa Claus's hat catches on fire. Which is great. Which is great. And then he promptly flings him out the window. Haven't you heard there is no fucking Santa Claus, which is perfect. Yeah. And and he flies out the window and lands on the police car, and we assume death for the druggy Santa Claus pedophile man. Oh, yeah. He's definitely dead. Oh, he is dead dead. Could see him waving from such great heights. Go down, down. Yeah, he's dead. If the fall didn't kill him, the drug overdose, his body going into hyperdrive to stay alive probably did. I do like that when Nick unties and rescues Haley. He decides not to traumatize her by being like, hey, I'm your dad. That was nice touch, Nick. Good for you. Thank you for not adding to the trauma. Just being like, I'm friends with your mom. I know, happy. It's going to be okay. But also, goddamn, Nick, did you forget? Did you yeah, forget like, that Mr. Blue was there? Did you forget that you learned that like he was double-crossing his own family? You had that conversation before the Santa tackled you? Did you think he went somewhere out of the room? It was very confusing because Nick's just like, Santa's gone. Time for to reunite with my daughter. And you no, 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 no. Step one accomplished. Step two, there's still another adversary there. And then, of course, like we find out what else Nick is fueled by, which is pain and revenge. Yes. Because he gets that manic smile on his face. And he, of course, lies at that point and says, you know, if you kill me, the password dies with me. Yeah. Which we know Nick doesn't know the password. Exactly. And then I do love the next, which is ask any one of these little fuckers what they want to be. An overnight star online would be number one on the fucking list. Cunts like me rule the world, Nick. And then fucking marry. And cunts like me shoot cunts like you in the back. Yes, Mary. Fuck him up, Mary. Okay, and so here is where Nick finds out the password. Because somehow, Happy knows the password. And I do not want to tell you how many times I had to reread this and look it over and reread the entire story and read reviews until I figured out what happened in these last two pages. I was so confused. So Nick has been shot, had a heart attack, in a pretty brutal fight, dabbed in the stomach, shot again. So he's he's dying. Nick is is almost dead. 
and Mary's trying to do the right thing and get Haley out of there. And Haley's like, I know him. And she's like, no, you don't. Let's go. And then Happy goes to him. This is the least I can do. And I was looking and I was very confused. But then at the next page, it made sense. Because the blue feather is... The password. Because I looked and I was like, what is she doing? And I was like, la, la peuma azuro. I'm pretty sure. The password's not a word. It's an object. Yes. I see. Okay. Which is so confusing. So confusing. It's like, Grant Morrison, I know you listen to our podcast. I feel like you could have made this a lot clearer. And also, I'm pretty sure it should be La Payuma Azura. Because I'm pretty sure the color should match the object it's describing. And I don't know who she means when she says the Don. Who's the Don? The only reason we even know he exists. Or no, he's n- no, the Don is dead. Because when she says the Don sends a message, the only Don we know of is the Fratelli brothers' grandfather, and he's dead. And Mr. Blue even says we were splitting the old Don's money right down the middle. I'm very confused by this ending. Definitely a cliffhanger. I know. uh, I know. I really did like the way this kind of subverted the whole... Usually when you have the grizzled, angry anti-hero, and he has that redemption arc, it's like, and then everything was okay. And in this, it's like, no, everything isn't okay. Sure, he goes out in a blaze of glory, but he still dies at the end. Like, exactly. And I think badly. Well, and it's so just too. It's like you can't you can't leave that blaze of carnage, regardless of alignment of the people you're killing, and then go on living scot-free. He had to go. There is no world where there would not have been drastic consequences for him for everything he did. Because there's there's no way he got rid of every single person in Mr. Blue's pay. So Oh yeah. Yes, he ends up being the person who kind of saves the day along with Mary, but he doesn't get to reconcile with his wife. He doesn't get to atone for his past sins. He doesn't get to thank Mary for everything she's done for him. He doesn't get to be a part of his daughter's life. He plays his small part in it, and he's forced to play that small part in it because of the decisions he's made, and then he dies. It's not exactly a cheery holiday story, but you know what? It's a, it's good. I liked it. Agreed. I I really I enjoyed it, even though obviously as everyone listening knows I was very <laughs> confused. And there were a lot of plot points that you clarified for me that um, helped me enjoy it even more. <laughs> I will say I can only and I do like I don't want to make it seem like I am shitting on this because I do really like it but the only reason I knew what was going on in certain parts was because I read it multiple times and I was like oh okay oh okay it is a fun story but it's not a story that you can that you can really kind of like half-heartedly read you really have to just like devote the time to paying attention to so many details they're really trusting their audience in the writing of it like exactly. it's very, it's very much like it's trusting that you are keeping up. I don't I think what I really loved about it too is I have never seen an anti-hero painted in this dark of a light. Yes. We get there a little bit with Punisher. I feel like Nick is a very Punisher-esque character, but like I said, he doesn't get the redemption arc. 
He's just somebody who made a lot of bad choices in his life and does one good thing and then... And then dies. And then dies. Would you recommend this comic series to somebody? I would because it's a short commitment. You aren't committing to something super huge. And I think it's really important to see characters that are in many ways irredeemable go on a journey where they might have a glimpse of redemption. I think it's so weird and unique. I've never read anything like this before, and I would recommend it on that merit alone. And I really like the challenge of a writer who trusts their audience enough, because I feel like this is kind of that, it rides that fine line of trusting the audience with really, really good writing, trusting mm-hmm. that they'll listen versus like the other line that we kind of saw in Black Hole, which was like, is this just poorly written or are you just trusting me as the reader? Oh, but I feel yeah. like this falls on the other side of it where it's really, really good writing and you as the reader have to pay attention to that. Yeah, it's almost like an Agatha Christie novel, I guess, would be yes thing where it's I'm trusting you as the reader to pick up the right clues to figure out how to solve this mystery. I'm not going to spoon feed you this story, but I am going to give you the little hints so you can figure out what's going on. Yes. And I just, I liked the subversion. A lot, some of the stuff that happens is a little bit cliche. Like when we figure out that Haley is his daughter, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, oh, cool. Should have, definitely (laughs) should have seen that coming. Yeah. There's so much subversion of tropes. Like he's not, uh, you know, the grumpy guy with a heart of gold. He's a fucking bastard who unfortunately is the only person capable of fully saving the day. Like you said, he's, he, I don't want to say irredeemable. He's basically irredeemable. Virtually like the tier above irredeemable. Yeah. He could be a good person if he tried really hard, but he's probably not going to try really hard. You know? Yeah. Would you recommend it? I think I would. I really think I would. And I haven't watched the Netflix series, but I understand that it diverts a little bit from the comic book a lot because it has like two seasons. I would honestly be interested to watch the Netflix series to see how different. I haven't seen it either. I assume the pilot is him saving his daughter Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the series is him teaming up with Happy to solve crimes. Oh, probably. 30-minute episodics or like 45-minute episodics. Or even better, what would be even better is instead of focusing on Nick, if the series was just about Happy, it was like a quantum leap thing where in every episode, Happy just goes to some new irredeemable bastard and was like, I'm going to help you do one thing that will make your life better. I love that idea. I'm pinning that idea. What if, what if, what if also, what if also what ended up happening is he has a change of heart and happy then kind of gets cases for him from other imaginary friends of children who are in like dangerous situations. So there's, there's always kind of this like guest imaginary friend and it's like, he's saving these kids from these like really dangerous or like abusive situations. That would be great. He'd be like the grumpy alcoholic version of Theo from Haunting of Hill House. Yes. 
So, listeners, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Merry Yule, uh, whatever other winter solstice-y holidays you enjoy celebrating in this bitch of a year we're living in. I would say I hoped we were able to bring you some cheer with this story, but I don't think that's truly possible. But I hope we were able to provide you with a little bit of escapism uh, during this time of year. I hope if you haven't already, we've encouraged you maybe a little bit to pick up Happy or any of the other millions and millions of things Grant Morrison has written because he truly is a great writer and he deserves a lot more attention than he has. Don't forget to, you know, call your loved ones, call your hated ones, call people that you feel, you know, so-so about. Maybe don't call. Calling people is terrible. Scratch that. Reject that. Text your loved ones. Um, add your hated ones to your close friends group on Instagram so they'll be compelled to watch all of your Instagram stories and send emojis to people you feel so-so about this holiday season. And let's bring some camaraderie to this world we're living in. I hope all that made sense because it made sense in my head, but who knows what might have happened between my brain and my mouth. I think that was beautiful, Renee. Um, I love how I love how we start the episode with you having a beautiful like sentiment of hope and love and taking care of each other. And I'm just like, text people if you like them, I guess, or whatever. No, I love it. I think it's so important. (laughs) And also, I want to piggyback off of that beautiful sentiment of text if you want and take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And please... Join us next week for our season finale, our first season of Read This Way's finale of The Couriers Part 2. Heck yeah! We'll be finishing up The Couriers, and it ends with a bit of a bang. So The Couriers ends with a bang, and our first season ends with a bang. But thank you for listening. Well, thank you in advance, I guess. Because I'm going to assume that you're a good person and you will listen next week. Thank you for listening to our first season. Once again, please feel free to connect with us. We're very nice people. Well, Jace is a very nice person. Now I'm all right. I'm a chaos goblin. (laughs) Both creates and feeds on chaos. But yes, we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear if we have inspired you to read any of the books we've covered or if you have any ideas for what you would like to see us cover in season two of Read This Way. Because like always sunny in Philadelphia, we're going to have like a fuck ton of seasons. So there's plenty of time for you to for you to tell us your idea of a graphic novel die. you would like to see us fuss about. For an hour or Always so. Always be here talking about the things that you like in <laughs> comic book form. We'll never die. I hope not. Upload us to the the mainframe, Bezos. Beam me up, Scotty. Heck yeah. Beam me up, Jeff. <laughs> you know he you know he has it. You know he has oh, it. We are we probably are already in it. Oh man. It's possible. 
100% possible. Readers, if you have proof that we're living in a simulation, please send it to readthisway.podcast at gmail.com or DM it to us at readthisway.podcast. And make sure to use a burner phone so the NSA doesn't know what you're doing. We don't want you to get in trouble. Exactly. But until next time, happy holidays, Merry Christmaca, all that jazz. Listen to your favorite Christmas album. And if you don't, I'll find you. Or I don't know. Listen to your favorite Christmas album because what else are we going to fucking do right now? That escalated so quickly. (laughs) (laughs) It was like happy, happy, happy. No. I'll find you. I'll find you. If you're not listening to All I Want for Christmas is You at least 10 times this holiday season, you will have to answer to us. We're We're like the Christmas gods. The Christmas goblins. Um, But anyways, until next time, I'm Renee Pogue. And he's Jace Wingate. I'm Jace Wingate. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. This is the Read This Way podcast. This is Read This Way. Goodbye. We love you. It's still weird for me to say. Bye.